You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to decidedlydry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 27. Today's guest is Ms. Emily Lynn Paulson. Emily is a writer, speaker, certified naked mind coach. She recovers designated coach, certified facilitator of addiction awareness, and the founder of Sober Mom Squad. She has appeared on media outlets including The Today Show, The Doctors, New York Times, Chicago Tribune. You guys, the list goes on. Emily is the author of Highlight Reel, Finding Honesty and Recovery Beyond the Filtered Life, and the soon-to-be-released, which I'm very excited about, book Hey Hun, Sales, Sisterhood, Supremacy, and Other Lies of Multi-Level Marketing. It's coming out May of 2023. She lives over in Central Oregon. Whoop, whoop. I have to give her a little shout out because I'm in Oregon uh, with her husband and their five children. Emily, she played a big role in my sober journey. I had followed her on Instagram for quite some time and was thrilled when she shared that she would be starting a free online support Zoom meeting community for sober curious women. This was back in 2020 and it was the Sober Mom Squad. I remember attending those meetings and just feeling so heard, so supported, and kind of like I had found my people. Not only were these women that just kind of got it, but these were moms. And mamas, I think we can agree that we just understand each other like nobody else. Am I right? So long story, kind of long, I reached out to Emily when I heard that they were bringing on volunteer hosts and basically said, pick me, pick me. (laughs) I was fortunate enough to come on board and serve as a member host for quite some time at Sober Mom Squad. That all being said, if it wasn't for Emily, I would have never been able to join that unique, special community, one that provided me with some of the most important friendships to date. So Em, thank you, friend. Okay, before I jump to our interview, I'd like to send out a big thank you to Desiree for donating and supporting the podcast. You rock, girlfriend, and I appreciate you. Listeners, I'm not going to give you the big spiel about donating. Just head to www.decidedlydry.com for more info. All right, loves, thank you for listening to all that. Here's my chat with Emily Paulson. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Emily Lynn Paulson. Hi, Emily. Hi, Jess. I'm so excited to see you. It's been a long time. I know it has. Well, thank you. Thank you. I say introduce my listeners, but I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody has kind of heard of you or at least follows you, but um, let's just dive right in. I'm sure you've only told your story like once, right? Oh yeah, definitely not yeah. a million times. So yeah. yeah, this is like a big breakthrough <laughs> episode where no one has heard this story. <laughs> it's funny though. I feel like every time I tell my story, it's always, there's always something I either didn't say before, or, you know, it's, it's as like time goes on it, my perspective on it changes. It's interesting. So I yeah. always think it's good for me to remind myself of like, 
where I've come from. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, what a great segue. Yeah. Let's just introduce the listeners to who Emily is. Tell us about yourself, who you are, if you have kids, where you live, all that good stuff. Uh-huh. So I live in central Oregon, actually just moved here the last year. I was in Seattle for a really long time and a bunch of other places before that. Um, and I have five kids. So my youngest is 10, oldest is 17. So I'm on the, I'm on the, uh, older kid, um, part of the parenting spectrum, which I have to say for the listeners, it really does get easier. So just for those of you who are like getting up early in the morning and not getting sleep and stuff like you'll get your sleep back. So, um, anyway, I, uh, yeah, so I've been sober almost six years. And, um, oh, I'm also married. My husband's wonderful. He's, you know, lives here too. <laughs> I'm like, I got to throw him in there. He's great. Uh, <laughs> I love it. And, yeah. So I really, I started questioning my use of alcohol, you know, a long time ago. I would say it was, I, I think everyone always, uh, you know, they have a bad hangover and wake up in the morning. I'm like, wow, did I drink too much? Do I drink too much? Gosh, should I be drinking this much? Is this problematic? Like those questions come up. And honestly, I think that's pretty typical. And so when I had those thoughts, I, I sort of just chalked it up to, oh no, it was a party. Uh, Oh no, I'm in college. Oh no, this, oh no, that. Mm -hmm. And it it was always easy to disguise. Um, You know, even, you know, as a teenager, it was something the the rebellious thing that people did and my drinking really like waxed and waned over the years. It was, you know, sometimes I drink a ton. Sometimes I wouldn't drink for a while. Then uh, you know, or I'd move somewhere, I wouldn't drink for a while. And then it would, it would come and go. And so I always thought, well, this is no big deal. Cause I don't, I don't need it all the time. Right. And it wasn't like something bad happened every time I drank, but anytime something did happen, uh, anytime something, uh, you know, I had drama in my life or had a problematic relationship or a fight with a boyfriend or whatever, alcohol was always involved. Always. Gotcha. And so I can always, you know, looking back, I can pinpoint it as like the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I used it to self-medicate from a really young age. It helps me feel less, um, I, I thought it made me more of who I should be, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. What it really did was take me away from who, who I could have been. It really, it really silenced my, um, my, my intuition and made me do things I wouldn't want to do. I mean, all of this is really common stuff, but where it really started taking off was when I became a mom. Gotcha. And I can see the difference from even my 17 year old to my 10 year old when he was young, you know, there wasn't wine at play dates by the time a 10 year old rolled around, it was very common to mm-hmm. like have a 9am play date and there was mimosas and it was no big deal. Um, and people were driving to and fro and it, it just really that, but any cognitive dissonance of it being problematic was so easy to dismiss because it was something everyone was doing. Yeah. So when my youngest was, um, about one, I really, you know, it was our last kid and I started feeling like, gosh, what's my next thing? You know, what's, what's my life going to be life. I don't know if I would say it was like a midlife crisis, but I sort of felt like, gosh, I've got my, I'm starting to get my freedom back, which is so funny because I have five kids under, you know, seven years old, <laughs> right. but, uh, but I just thought, you know, I'm not going to be pregnant again. I'm um, I don't know. And so I kind of went on this, um, I don't know, sort of like I embraced being like the fun party mom. 
And it really became a part of my personality that I was the mom. I drank champagne and I did all the things. I kept it all together. Um, I was always showing up for all the PTA meetings and all that stuff. It's like, I, it was a badge of honor for me Hmm. and I was holding it all together until I wasn't. And I, again, more problematic things started happening. And I kept using the excuse of like, you know, but I can stop. I've stopped five times for five pregnancies for nine months at a time. I can stop here for a week. I can stop for a month. And, and I would, and it, and I had no problem stopping, but I could never stay stopped. Right. I would always be like, okay, I feel good now. I guess I'll go back to it <laughs> again. <laughs> now it's like, oh, um, but I just kept, I kept going back to it. I kept trying to fit this thing that didn't fit in my life constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it was just acknowledged by everyone around me as being okay. I, no one else ever thought I had a problem. Um, and, and then again, like my health started, I started having health problems. I started having problems in my marriage. Um, I was just doing things that I would not be doing if I wasn't drinking, mm-hmm. I getting a DUI, all of those things that I'd used as excuses, like, oh, this hasn't happened yet. And then, right. oh, it's happened. Um, you know, and finally, like I, uh, you know, I started, I was hospitalized several times and it just got, it got really, really bad. And then it was scary because then I couldn't stop. Hmm. Um, and it, you know, it was really confronting when I got the DUI and had a breathalyzer put in my car. And then I had to have a conversation with my kids about it. And it really made, that's what was the most confronting thing of, they knew how much I was drinking. Mm-hmm. They had questions about it. I realized we, we had not done a good job of talking about it. You know, what alcohol was, what alcohol did. Um, and they didn't understand why, if it had caused so many problems, why I kept drinking. Right. And it was kind of a wake up call for me of, you know, they're seeing so much more than, than I thought, you know, your kids see so much more than you think they do. They know so much more. Um, and it was just a totally random day. I woke up and it's like, it was just, it was just enough. It was just enough to be done. Like I, I, there wasn't one more cleanse or dry, you know, September or anything <laughs> to do that was going to fix me. Yeah. Um, and I went to an AA meeting, which was all really that I knew was available to me at the time. And I just went with it and I just kept kind of unraveling how I had gotten to that point. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of how I, how I put my toe into sobriety. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't like, I need to stop drinking. And then I stopped. It was, it was really years, years. Up to point when I finally was done. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So much stuff. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, you know, you mentioned probably some pretty pivotal moments, you know, between, you know, health and DUI and just kids being aware. Did any one of those kind of influence you to make that decision more than the other, or was it just kind of the combination? And it was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. I think it was everything, but you know, what's funny is you would think because I had said before, oh, I've never had a DUI. I've never gotten in trouble with the law. But even when I did, it's amazing how many people will justify it for you. Mm-hmm. You know, when I did tell people like, oh gosh, I got a DUI, which is by the way, the biggest pain in the ass. I mean, thank <laughs> God no one was hurt. Nobody was, it could have been so much worse. Yeah. But, I mean, the money you have to spend, the lawyers, the court appearances that it is, it is like one of the worst things to go through. But again, it was what helped me get sober, but 
what I will say is so many more people said to me like, oh yeah, I, I've you know driven drunk before. Oh, it could have happened to me. There were so many people who minimized it. And I understand, I, I totally understand that. I would have done the same thing. Mm. Like, you know, you want to make your friend feel better. Um, but it was not, that's not what I needed to hear. What I needed to right. hear was, that's a big deal. You could have killed somebody. You need to get a hold of this. Like that's what I, that's what I should have heard. Right. And it's funny because I went uh, with the DUI again, one of the things I had to go to these classes, um, you know, court mandated classes. And uh, so I was in this room with on a Saturday for like eight hours, you know, with all these other people who had had alcohol related driving offenses, like boating, biking. I mean, it was, I learned a lot about what you can (laughs) do while drinking, Um, like riding a horse. I was like, wow, who knew? Stop. Really? Yeah. Someone who like rode a horse and had, you know, was drinking and didn't know that could happen. But anyway, yeah, you can't operate anything with, with alcohol. So the guy who was running the class asked the question, you know, what's your uh, remedy to make sure this never happens again? That wasn't how he phrased it, but so he went around the room and it was like sobriety, AA, not drinking anymore. All these people were like, I'm done drinking. And I I was like in the middle of the room and, and I was thinking as everybody was talking, like, really, you're going to quit drinking over this? Like, it was so, I still was so, the cognitive dissonance just was still real thick at that point that that was the problem. And all these other people had figured out, you know, and I was like, Uber, that's good. I won't (laughs) jive. Yeah. That's my solution. (laughs) Um, And so that still wasn't enough for me, but I will say the breathalyzer really, I I think every car should come with a breathalyzer. I'm not kidding. It's so, it was so helpful to see like, wow, one drink actually does impair me. Um, when you drink at night, like, oh, you can't actually start the car in the morning because you still have alcohol in your system. I just didn't know. Hmm. Uh, so it was that, you know, the health problems, sadly, I would say were the least of my concerns. Interesting. Okay. And I honestly hear this a lot working with people where they're like, yeah, my doctor said my liver enzymes are high or, 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 you know, my fatty liver or whatever, but it's not something you can feel and experience. Mm. And then the, the lack of sleep, the, um, you know, depression, all those other things that come along with drinking, you don't really notice until you're not drinking anymore. So I would say it's just one of those things, especially as a mom, like you sacrificed yourself for Mm. any reason. And so the health concerns, um, those were not enough for me. It wasn't until I was done drinking that again, all those things cleared. And I was like, well, I really did feel like shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, wow. it just took, it took a lot of different things really to open my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I, you stopped me and made me really think when you mentioned how, you know, people's response to the DUI, what they said and, you know, what you probably should have heard instead of what the response was. And it just made me think of how as women, we do that with everything, don't we? I mean, it made me think of when someone says, you know, oh, I look so fat. And then we immediately insult ourselves too, just to make them comfortable, you know? Oh, well, look at my thighs, you know, or whatever, you know? And it's interesting to me that, you know, we, we avoid those hard things. We avoid those difficult conversations like the DUI, like what, why would it have been so hard for us to be like, you know, oh, that's serious. Like, how can I help you? What do you think about that? You know, it's interesting to me why we do that. I think as moms too. Exactly. Well, and I had one friend say to me, like, you know, if you're concerned, you should, maybe you should go to an AA meeting, Mm. you know, just 
really my like one closest friend who, you know, probably had the most clue of how bad it was. And the hard part was at that point, I still didn't want to stop. Sure. And so there's that aspect too, of other people can't want it more for you. And they also didn't know how much I was drinking at home or that I was drinking before I went out or drinking when I got home. And, and, you know, so doctors, friends can only know so much as you're sharing. And when Mm -hmm. you are really holding a lot of shame about drinking, you're not going to share it. That's hard too. Yeah. Right. So you went to AA. And was that kind of how you started your recovery journey or at least removing it? Yeah. I mean, again, that's really all I knew at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found a great women's meeting Friday nights and and I went to lots of other meetings too. And I discovered that I, I didn't like the meetings with men in them. It just, for me and the things I had gone through and the things that I wanted to share, I didn't feel comfortable. Mm. Uh, So I, I went to that meeting and I still did all, you know, through the years living in Seattle until I had just moved. Um, and I think just the sense of community was so helpful and being in a place where I shared all this stuff that I thought was like the most terrible stuff in the world. And other people were like, Oh yeah, I've done that too. Oh, me too. Cool. Yeah. No big deal. Like you're, and it just helped really helped. And as time went on, you know, I, again, I started looking back at like how much I questioned it and how many concerns I'd had and how it wasn't until I had had all those really rock bottom consequences that I felt like I deserved to get help. Mm. And so that's when I really started talking more about just this informed consent piece of, Hey, you know, if you're Googling, am I an alcoholic? That's a sign that not that you are, it's a sign that maybe alcohol is not serving you. Like, like look into that and bridging that gap of, you know, you're not quite the bad enough to go to AA. You're not quite bad enough to go to rehab keep drinking until you are. I just don't think that's like the best model we have out there. So, so again, I, I love AA. I think it's incredibly helpful. I, I, you know, recommend it as a resource for people who it serves, but I also think it reinforces that, um, you have to fit a certain mold to get help. And, Mm -hmm. and I kind of don't, agree with that. So anyway, everyone has their own take. I'm not anti-AA and I don't know how much you talk about that on here, but it's, I just think there's needs more resources out there. We welcome all programs. And that's, what's so great is as of late, I mean, just in the past few years, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can find things that you can do from home, tons Mm -hmm. of different meetings and what a great little uh, bridge into focusing on the good and maybe talking about sober mom squad. So You removed the alcohol. How far into your recovery journey was it when you started contemplating starting some sort of program, like what turned into Sober Mom Squad? So I actually never, I never thought I would do something like that. That's what's kind of, you know, things happen. There's a need and you feel it when it comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I actually started because I was writing. I started writing. I started writing my whole like recovery. It was a huge part of my recovery process was writing. And as I got to writing, I was like, I want to, I want to write a book. Um, and I was about two years sober at that point when I decided I wanted to write something and just to have something out there for one, that was my whole aligned story. Cause I had lived so compartmentalized for so long. Um, it was cathartic for me and to have something out there that I had read so many recovery memoirs and hadn't found 
I hadn't found my story, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought, let's just, let's have another one out there. So as I was writing and going through this process, I took courses, I took classes and I um, became a recovery coach. So, and I did that not because I thought I was going to coach people. That really wasn't my goal. It was just to learn more about addiction. Um, You know, I took like facilitating addiction awareness classes, you know, trauma-informed classes, all these certifications really just to learn more about what I was going to be talking about in a book. And as I went through the the certification and was working with people, I was like, I really actually like this. And so that's when I decided, um, you know, the book came out and then I decided to, um, to coach with people individually. So when I was working with women one-on-one, it was really women who had like read my book and identified with Mm. what I had said, they had been maybe through some trauma as a child, or they identified with some part of my story. They again, didn't think their drinking was problematic until it was, um, and they were moms. So they typically looked like me and then 2020 came and we all know what happened there. (laughs) So all of a sudden I had, you know, women coming to me saying, I, you know, I've never questioned my drinking. I've always considered myself a social drinker and now I'm at home. I'm not being social and I'm drinking more than ever. And now my kid's home watching me like Mm -hmm. help. What do I do? And I was home with my five kids. So it's not like I had any more time. And so I just took to Instagram and I said, you know, other people in the recovery community, is this what you're seeing? I want to start having just a meeting for moms who wants to help me. And I had for other women who, of course, you know, but I'll say them for the audience, <laughs> Jessica Landon, Jen Elizabeth, Michelle Smith, and Celeste Yvonne were just the first to raise their hand. So I'm like, cool, let's, let's do it. And so we started having a free meeting every Wednesday and it just started filling up and filling up and filling up. And I think it just really met a need that was probably always there. Again, bridging that gap between I'm questioning my drinking and I need to go to rehab to help the people in the middle who, you know, want to learn a better way, who want to show their kids a better way, who Mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable with the status quo and just want to learn more about it. And also a community that is just moms, because the other thing that I think is hard in women's communities is, is there's this idea that you have to be entirely blissful all the time that you're a parent. And, and grateful all the time. And it's, you can never complain. You have to put that addendum out there. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, my kid is, you know, being a jerk or whatever, but I still love him. Or, <laughs> it's like in a mom's community, you don't have to say that. We all understand, you know, you're irritated because kids can be irritating or, right. you know, they push your buttons. You don't have to qualify it by saying, yes, I'm so blessed to have my kids. So I, you know, we just kept having these meetings and then people were asking for more. They were asking for coaching. They were asking for courses. And so that's when I started the membership-based program. And um, it's just kind of grown from there. And it's grown just from what women have asked for. It's really whatever need was there. I've just attempted to fill it. And that's kind of how it's gone. So it's been really cool to watch because I, I was one of the members, um, well, followers really. Yeah that jumped on those free meetings in the beginning because I was already, I got sober in 2019, December. So it was right before the wonderful 2020. Um, And so I, 
I saw those free meetings pop up and it was such a game changer. I mean, just like you said, being able to come to a meeting and just not feel alone. I know it sounds cliche, but some, some of us moms, like that's what we need to see. We need to see other moms in the thick of it, (laughs) like, you know, going through the same things that we're going through. Um, and, and I just, I can't thank you enough for that program, not program community, excuse me, because it, it is a game changer. Sometimes all you need is just to feel like you're, you're being heard and you're a part of something bigger, you know? And I think also that there's, it, it filled the need in, cause again, AA is great, but when you are questioning your drinking, going, you know, getting in the car, driving to a church and opening that, you know, thousand pound door, mm-hmm. that's a big ask for someone who isn't sure. Mm-hmm. So to be able to click on anonymously, put your ear pods in and just listen mm-hmm. and hear things that resonate with you. Again, it just starts to clear that cognitive dissonance of I'm the only one dealing with this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm crazy for thinking this or all those thoughts that you believe, or oh, gosh, it's not bad enough yet. Uh, it, it really, I think it's something that's necessary and all recover. I mean, AA even pivoted and had online meetings. So I think it filled a need that was there and made recovery so much more accessible for people who again, can't, or don't want to go out of their you know house or their community. They're afraid of seeing people in the community. Um, it really, I think that that's the one really good thing that came out of the pandemic was so much more accessibility online. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, just putting in the ear pods or AirPods and, um, you don't even have to have your camera on, which oh, is yeah. something I love, you know, for those people that are very nervous in the beginning and don't even, oh man, I wouldn't even want to show my face. Well, you don't have to, <laughs> you yeah. know, you can just listen. Yeah. So, oh, that, that program and that community. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. So thank you for that. Thanks. Um, I would also like to talk, you mentioned, your first book. Yes. And now we have another one coming along that I only know about because I kind of watch, you know, on social media and I read the blurb, but it's called Hey Hun. And can you give us a little sneak sneak peek? Oh yeah, for sure. So it's, it's interesting because, you know, I wrote this for my first book was all about recovery, you know, and the second one is really, it's still related. It's almost like the second chapter. And one of the things when you, when you stop drinking, which you obviously know this, you start to realize like, oh, these are the reasons I drank, right? Absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, I'm feeling this. Like, these are the reasons I drank. And so one of the things I did when I was really in the thick of my drinking um, was I joined um, an MLM, mm-hmm. which I'm sure tons of your listeners know what those are. It's the, you know, work from home, you know, join my team, right? There's millions of them. Lots of people are involved in them, whatever. And it really was just another thing, just like alcohol to like, take myself out of myself to, um, you know, it's like being a workaholic or getting really into exercise, or there's so many things we do as moms, as women to, to numb, to distract, to, to do whatever, um, to, to cure loneliness. Uh, even though we're surrounded by children, you know, just that like deep loneliness of human connection. So I joined this multi-level marketing company and I escalated very quickly. I got to the 
top of the pyramid. Um, and then I stopped drinking. And when I did that, I started seeing a lot of things that I ignored mm-hmm. uh, when I was drinking that I was, you know, too drunk to realize or whatever. Um, a lot of the intuition that I pushed to the side. <clears throat> and I started seeing a very, very problematic side of it. And I started distance, distancing myself from it. And then through the pandemic, you know, I did a lot of research. I talked to a lot of people and I decided <clears throat> that I was going to put this story out there. So it really is kind of the second part of my, I don't know, awakening or, uh, <laughs> you know, just stripping away the things that I thought I needed that really didn't serve me. Yeah. Uh, so it's really a look at the industry. It's a look at my experience and, uh, you know, just it, it's, it's interesting, the feedback already, because just like alcohol, you know, those people who staunchly are like, you know, you're shaming me for saying that, you know, you don't drink and, and I do, or, you know, you're shaming me because I'm in this company. And, and it's really not about that. It really is just my own experience and it's education. Mm-hmm. It's all about informed consent. Like if you want to go drink a bottle of wine, cool, you do you, but you should probably know these things about it. Right. And if you want to go join this team or whatever, um, that's cool. You do you, but here's what you <laughs> should really know about how it goes for most people. And, um, you know, so I, I feel like, again, I'm writing a book about what is like not going to make me super popular because it's pe- something that people love and, um, and I'm kind of poking holes in it, but you know, that's, I guess that's my calling, I guess. <laughs> I, I fully support it. <laughs> I'm super excited to read it. Um, before we hopped on this call, I was kind of putting down some notes, you know, and, uh, I got to thinking I've been a part of three MLMs and I don't think that's uncommon. Number one for just people, but number two, I think for moms, again, I feel like kind of with alcohol, we've got this target on our back of, oh, we could, we could promise her, what is it? Financial freedom. Mm -hmm. And the flexible schedule and the the new car. That's my favorite. Um, yeah, and it's free, funny how we're the free, the free car. car. The free car. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a sucker. I mean, and I think a lot of people have that same, you know, story, but where they just kind of get sucked in and think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make so much money doing this. You know, my husband might be, gosh, I could help him retire, you know, just by, selling blah, 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 insert here, (laughs) you know, but, um, it's wild. And I'm excited to read it because I think a lot of people go through that and just don't really know what they've gotten themselves into until almost when you get out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, um, women, moms, what options are we given? Again, like in the pandemic of more women were drinking, like, of course they were, what options are we given? We aren't given a lot of help. And when you're, you you know, if you're drinking a glass of wine every night and then you need more help, you're going to drink more wine. Like that's what you are using as your solution. And if you're at home with your kids and your company doesn't give you maternity leave and childcare is ridiculously expensive. And still for most families, the mom is the one who takes the brunt of the mental load. And when kids are sick and all that stuff, of course, you're going to think, wow, this looks like this really pretty flexible, easy option. And you don't realize until you're in it and you're not told, you're really not told the, the failure rate, the fact that you're probably going to lose money. Um, and 
you know, you don't see the really cult-like tactics that are, that are involved. Um, and the stories that you hear of success are so few and far between. Um, but you, you're given that hope. You hold on to that hope. Like you only fail if you quit. And it's this meritocracy kind of bullshit that just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do anything you set your mind to and like, no, there's only so many people in the world, like mathematically, <laughs> you really can't. Um, but again, it's all about ignoring that intuition that we have initially of, oh, this is icky, but I'm going to try it or mm-hmm. ignoring that. Am I drinking too much? It's, it's all about pushing those intuitive thoughts to the back of our head and going with the status quo. And I'm all about questioning that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the work you're doing with that. Cause I mean, I can't tell you how many times it was, well, let's put a vision board together. Like let's visualize your success. How many people could you make a list to contact about, (laughs) you know, and, and I am very much just like with alcohol, anyone that's listening, you do you, but Mm -hmm. I love how you mentioned, you know, but also just make sure you do your homework, you know, so that you do know some of the facts that are not going to be in that welcome brochure, you know? Exactly. So, okay. And that is next spring, correct? Yes. So it is, I'm almost done with it. So uh, it will be May 30th of 2023. This one will we'll officially launch. And I have a whole like advanced reader team and blah, blah, blah. So, um, so exciting. Yeah. And so this is just, this is not a question I wrote down, but I'm curious. So in, were you writing at all before you got sober or was that kind of something that was more of a hobby or a therapeutic type tool that you implemented after? It's always been a therapeutic, like I enjoyed it in college and I, I I was always told I was a good writer or whatever. Um, but I, and I blogged for a while, you know, a few times as uh, early in my mom years, but it was always something I did to process my own feelings. I was the queen of writing really strongly worded emails and then deleting them, like just to get my feelings out and straightened or writing down a letter or, or journaling. Like I've always been something who's had to process my thoughts through writing. And so again, when I became sober and I was going through, you know, I did all the 12 steps and I did all that stuff. And I started just rewinding, like, why did this happen? And why did this happen? And what happened before that? And really once I started doing that, it's like I had this chronology from my childhood of where I could see how alcohol crept in. Um, so that's really how it started. It was just really a therapeutic thing for, for me. And I think it's so important, whether it's, you know, if writing's not your thing, you know, typing on a computer or talking into a voice memo on your phone or something just to get, get your thoughts straight, you know, out of your head in one place. Um, or talking to a therapist or something. Sure. It's just getting getting that out of your head and kind of confronting it is really important in recovery. Good advice. Good advice. Okay. The next one on my list, here's a good one. So this is where you get to brag about yourself and not feel bad. So <laughs> I want, I would love to invite you to just kind of share with listeners. I mean, all the things that happened in recovery, not all of it. Cause I know that would be, that would be a whole day conversation, but I mean, what were the big accomplishments that you are super proud of that have come out of your sobriety? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have anything I have now if I didn't stop drinking. I, I fully believe that I was at the point where, you know, I would have eventually died. You know, mm-hmm. I was, it was that bad. Um, so I wouldn't have anything. I wouldn't have a family. I wouldn't have my marriage. I, I probably would have lost my kids. I mean, I would have nothing. And I don't say that 
flippantly or, you know, it's not hyperbole. Like I Mm -hmm. truly believe that. Um, I wouldn't have been able to build any kind of a voice for myself in general to advocate for myself, you know, with my healthcare providers or Mm -hmm. uh, my family or anybody. Um, I wouldn't have a voice in the recovery community at all. I wouldn't have felt comfortable putting my story out there. I wouldn't have written a book. Um, I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have, you know, been on TV or podcasts or anything like that. I wouldn't have done a Ted talk. I wouldn't have done another one. I mean, every single thing has led to another thing. Um, I just, I wouldn't have any of it had I, had I not stopped drinking. I just, you know, there's nothing that I would, there's, there's nothing that's happened since I stopped drinking that it's all because of that. It's all because of just that one decision. And I think that's something that's so important too. When, when you're weighing this, oh God, do I need to stop drinking forever? Or, oh, you know, it's so overwhelming to think of spending the rest of your life, not drinking. That's the thought. Mm -hmm. The thought is, wow, this is going to be so bad. I'm not going to get to do this. I'm not going to get to this. I'm not going to get to do this. And you're not operating with the other set of information of what actually you will be able to have because you've never had it before. Right. You don't know what life could be like without it. And so all of those, all of that mental anguish and the, it, that's just all gone. I don't have to worry about where my phone is or how much money I spent last night or who I texted or whether I forgot to send the field trip form or, or whether I can get up and work out tomorrow because I'm too hungover, all those little things. I don't have to worry about how much wine is in the fridge. I don't have to worry about the example that I'm creating for my kids. I don't, there's so many things that I didn't realize were weighing on my brain that are gone. Right. And I also didn't realize what I would be able to accomplish. All I was focused on when I thought about, do I need to quit was what I would lose. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that I always say to people is like, what if, what if it goes really well? Like, right. what, what if, if it's really good? What if it's great? Yeah. 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 Um, you just, it's something you can't know until the, you're on the other side of it. And I've literally never met anybody ever. And I've worked with a lot of women through the years and I've met a lot of people in AA and just in recovery in general, I've never met someone who said, yeah, you know, life is just okay. Since I quit drinking yeah. or, you know, it was actually better when I was drinking. Nobody, there is nobody who hasn't said, yes, it's better. Life is better now. I'm so glad I never. quit. Never. And that's such a good point. I mean, it's just like, you never meet someone that wakes up in the morning and says, Oh, I really wish I would have drank last night. Yeah. That was such a good idea. No, right. <laughs> never. And that's, a, that's why I love asking that question is because, you know, I think so many people like they're not, especially in the beginning, they're not in the point where they can see how good it can get, yeah. but they have to hear about what could happen, what kind of hope is out there. And so, man, it, it, it really is worth it. And like you said, I, I couldn't, I don't think I've ever met anybody that has said, man, like sobriety that that sucks like nothing good in my life improved when I put down that drink you know oh okay well we're coming to the end and I would love for you to share if you will um what's next I mean you've got this book but are there any other goals any other things on the bucket list and it doesn't have to be big it could just be you know maybe taking a break for a bit, you know, you've been very busy. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly. I mean, my son is in his senior year this year, you know, so I'm in that phase where 
it's kind of the last, the last uh, first day of school and the last. And so I'm really embracing it. And I'm, I'm not planning a lot. Um, obviously, when the book comes out next summer, I'll probably do a book, you know, tour or something. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I'm really just kind of keeping myself open to my family this year. And, um, and again, I'm always open to see what happens because again, I would have never, I never thought I'd be a recovery coach and never thought I'd create a platform for moms recovery. I never thought I'd write a book. I never thought I'd write a second book. So I'm always open to see what happens, but really my goal this year is to just be here and just embrace my life with my kids while they're still all at home. I love it. I love that. All right. Last one might be my favorite one, but to the one person or many that are listening right now and feeling inspired to make a change, what advice would you give them? So the the thing I always say is to remind yourself that it's not your fault. And that sounds so cliche and something, you know, but alcohol is an addictive substance. It is meant to make you addicted to it it is not your fault for getting addicted to an addictive substance. No one would blame you for getting addicted to cigarettes. No one would blame you for getting addicted to heroin. And we also don't expect anybody in the world to moderate any drug other than alcohol. And so that's my first thing is like, give yourself grace. That's not your, your fault for questioning it and just throw everything you need to throw at it. Well, I'm an equal opportunity, whether it's AA, listening to podcasts, going to meetings, going to therapy, joining a group. Um, it, the same thing that works for one person won't work for another. I know this is way more than just one thing, but I'm just going to go with it. Do it. <laughs> and also be, be cautious too about where you get your information. And I say this as someone who puts information out there, like, don't just, you know, come to my page and just listen to me and everything I say and believe everything I say like look at everything with a wide lens take in lots of information because there are there are a lot of people out there who you know claim to be coaches or there's people who sell really expensive programs and if that's the first thing you see and you buy just be careful like again be cautious try little bits of everything see what sticks you know don't be afraid to go out there and get information but you know, don't necessarily get married to one specific thing. So that's just kind of like a PSA. I love it. Great advice. (laughs) All right. If people want to get in touch with you, find out more about the book, anything else that you're offering, where's their best way to uh, get in contact? Yeah, probably. uh, I'm not super active on Instagram, but it's probably the place I'm most active. Just uh, Emily Lynn Paulson. Um, and then Sober Mom Squad on, you know, all platforms is um, is pretty active. So SoberMomSquad.com, Instagram Sober Mom Squad uh, is probably the best place to go. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you again. It was so nice just having my morning coffee with you and chatting with you. I appreciate it. You too, Jess. Thanks for having me. Thanks. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to DecidedlyDry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.